This is a tape of a press conference with Susan Sontag on September 22nd, 1988. Uh, good morning. I'm Karen Kennerly, the executive director of Penn American Center. And uh, <clears throat> uh, to my immediate left is Susan Sontag, who is the president of American Penn and who led our delegation at the 52nd International Penn Congress in Seoul. To Ms. Sontag's left is Faith Sale, who is vice president and executive director of Putnam's and also is co-chair of the Freedom to Write Committee for Penn. And Ms. Sale was one of the official delegates of our delegation to the Congress in Seoul. Uh, Ms. Sontag will begin with some remarks. Uh, we will open it to questions. And uh, when you do ask questions, please give your name and affiliation. Uh, thank you very much. Well, I, I want to just, is Helen, is it right? Yeah. But can you hear me? Yes. I want to give some background and, uh, and explain in the course of doing so uh, why we've called this press conference, why, why we think it's worth your attention. Uh, and then I think we should just have questions and, and the three of us will respond as, as best as we can. Some of the background is that, uh, as, as you know what Penn is, International Writers Organization founded in 1921, chapters in about 80 countries. Uh, the American chapter is one of the largest and, and most active. Penn has international congresses almost every year. Uh, sometimes it, it turns out every nine months. And these are, are big events in the organization. A lot happens, they're very important. We had one in New York uh, in 1986. It was our turn to host a, a, a Congress. And they, they, they rotate uh, around the world. And they've been in, in all, the, all the places you can imagine. Congress, the venue of Congresses uh, is, is decided a couple of years in advance. Centers volunteer to host them, uh, and, it, and uh, it demands a lot of, of, of preparation and organization. About two years ago, the Korean Center, the Center in the Republic of Korea, uh, offered to host a, a, a Congress, the, the 1988 Congress. And this bothered uh, some of us, uh, notably the American Center. We felt, uh, although we, uh, South Korea has a Penn Center and uh, uh, we welcome having Penn Centers in as many countries as possible, we are aware of the fact that some of the countries that have Penn Centers are uh, flagrant violators of the principles for which Penn stands, namely uh, freedom to publish, freedom to write, freedom from censorship. I would say that a very large number of countries violate those principles one degree or another. Uh, we have these centers, though. We're not, we're not trying to uh, uh, organize Penn on the, simply on the basis of, of political and ethical purity. 
we've, we have these centers, of course, in, a, in a, the, the hope that the individual Penn centers will represent those principles, sometimes against their governments or putting pressure on their governments. Uh, uh, but it's one thing to have a center in a country which censors uh, uh, literature and the press and puts writers and publishers and, enter and, and editors in jail. Uh, it's another thing actually to host an international congress in such a country. In other words, our feeling, I'm speaking now for the American Center, uh, is that it w perhaps wouldn't be the greatest idea to have an international congress uh, in Korea, uh, in Turkey, in Chile, uh, in Prague. Uh, the list, alas, is rather a long one, uh, which are notable uh, violators of these principles. As I say, we're not trying to exercise any, any very exaggerated uh, standard of political purity about the Congresses, but it seemed that some places might be more appropriate than others. So the American Center uh, wasn't too happy about the idea of going to Korea, and some of the other centers as well, uh, notably West Germans, uh, Danes, Dutch, Swedes, uh, East Germans. East Germans. <laughs> Uh, Yugoslavs, Australians, etc. We, however, were in the minority and we were overruled. Uh, I put it rather cynically, most of the delegates wanted to go shopping in Korea and they weren't going to be deterred from having their Congress in 1988 at the time of the Olympics. We also were aware of the fact that we were part of the Olympics publicity machine. This was to be the year of Korea and the Koreans had not only bagged the Olympics, but they'd gotten a lot of cultural events as well. And that this was, in fact, whether the majority of Penn centers were aware of it or not, not only taking place just before the Olympics, but actually part of the Olympics, officially part of the Olympics, in terms of their perspective, not, not Penn's, obviously. Uh, it's been a tradition for some time now in the Olympics to have what they call the cultural Olympics. You remember in Los Angeles, they. Uh, brought all those theater companies and ballet companies and opera companies to LA at the time of the Olympics. And we knew, uh, and we made this point in previous Congresses, that, w that we were part of the Olympics publicity machine and perhaps that too, as a second reason, made it not such a great idea uh, to go to Korea this time. Maybe in the future when things got better and we certainly were aware of the fact that Korea was evolving, that there were important political changes in that country, that those changes were positive, they were in a, in a positive direction. Uh, that, of course, was the counter-argument that wouldn't it be good to show our support for the movement toward democratization in Korea by having the Congress there. There, uh, there was, as I say, this is the background, a, a quarrel at two preceding Penn Congresses, one in ha Hamburg, Germany, West Germany, and another one last year in Lugano in Switzerland. We lost. Uh, we and, uh, and the senators who agreed with us, who led this fight not to go to Korea at all, but to pick some other place this time and perhaps put off the Congress in Korea to the following year. It wasn't a question of never going, but perhaps say going in 89 rather than 88. Uh, we lost. And so we had here then in this very room uh, a debate uh, among ourselves, that is our large executive board, about whether we should go at all. Maybe we should boycott, because we did feel rather strongly, 
uh, and this is where now I want to focus on the activities of American Pen. We have a, a very active, very expert, very professional group of people uh, working on uh, uh, questions that we call the Freedom to Write Committee, and Faith Sale is, uh, is co-chair of that uh, activity. Uh, uh, a very active group of people working on these questions. For me, it's the heart and soul of what Penn does, uh, is uh, being uh, vigilant and uh, taking positions and gathering and circulating information about abuses of uh, what we would, this country would call uh, First Amendment rights here, if they occur here, and in other countries. And this is what we do, and it's a full-time activity for, uh, or, or an activity that takes a great deal of time of many active Penn, Penn members, notably Faith, and of two full-time people on our staff. And we had lots and lots of uh, material and, and dossiers and case histories on writers and journalists and editors who were uh, uh, in prison some of them for long and cruel uh, prison sentences in Korea, people who were being picked up for short periods of internment and harassed, newspapers and magazines that were uh, 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 closed down or censored. This has all been going on for years in Korea, and of course everybody knows about it. And it's better than it was. I want to stress that there has been an improvement in the last uh, year since the, since the elections due to enormous pressure, of course, coming from not only from the students who are very visible uh, uh, locus of dissension in, in Korea, but the most important of all, the Korean middle class, the uh, educated people, uh, want Korea, many of them, to move toward a pluralistic democratic society. They know it's right and they know it's good for them and they know it's necessary if they're going to play the role that they want to play in the world, that they're already, that goes with the role that they already are starting to play economically. Uh, so we had all this information. Information, I want to add, that uh, is not only something that we gather ourselves, but in very close concert with all the obvious organizations, Amnesty, uh, the Asia Watch Committee, uh, Index on Censorship. I'm leaving some AAP out. Freedom to Publish Committee. Sorry, say it loud because... Committee to Protect Journalists and AAP Freedom to Publish. AAP, that's American Association of Publishers Freedom to Publish uh, Committee. So we're working with a family of, of uh, uh, committee, watchdog committees, information circulating committees, gathering this information. And we've gotten very good at it over the years. It, maybe it was a kind of amateurish activity a decade ago, um, but we're, we're seasoned and our information is accurate and checked and double-checked and triple-checked. Uh, we're not in, in, involved in any kind of uh, a superficial uh, uh, position-taking, but we are, as I say, primarily an information-gathering and circulating activity. And, of course, we do hope to, to influence people in the directions that accord with the uh, Penn uh, uh, Charter. So we went to Korea. We decided to go. We decided not to boycott. We had, to, as far as we were concerned, two alternatives. Either we would not go at all, and um, that, that was something that was very seriously considered. Or we would uh, go and uh, rain on their parade a little. 
for, and that's what we decided to do. We, we decided to go and make a little fuss. Uh, by the way, we didn't do this just, you know, deciding here and, and then springing it on them. We told them, if we, uh, we told, that is the Korean pen and international pen, if we went, we would not simply be going through the motions of the Congress as organized by the International Secretariat of Penn and the uh, local chapter that was hosting the Congress, but we intended to hold an activity outside of the Congress, outside uh, 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 ethically and physically, that is not in the big hotel in the suburbs where the Congress was, where we were lodged and the Congress was being take, was, uh, was, was taking place, but somewhere else, uh, we would host a reception in honor of the Korean writers, editors, and journalists who were still in jail. We would make a, a public statement to the press, and we would invite to this reception the Korean writers who were not participating in the Congress, because the other element in this, in this story is that Korean pen, well, pen is different in every, in every country. Uh, in this country, most writers, uh, I, I, I think it would not be too much of an exaggeration to say, most writers do belong to it. Most active writers belong to Penn. Most uh, writers whose names the reading public is familiar with do belong to Penn. Almost all well-known writers belong to Penn, and I would say most active writers belong to Penn. That's true in some other countries, true, too. It's also true in England and Great Britain. It's also true in Japan. There are some centers where, uh, uh, some countries where Penn is a rather perfunctory matter. It's considered an organization that's not very interesting, and most writers don't belong to it. Uh, then there are some countries, and this is the case in Korea, where the good writers, the active writers, don't belong to it, not because they don't think it's interesting, but because they feel it is too uh, linked to the government. And that is the case in Korea. Most good writers don't belong to Penn most well-known, generally accepted uh, as of literary quality writers don't belong to Penn, or if they do belong to Penn, they themselves were boycotting the Congress. There was an important group of writers who did not participate, Korean writers who did not participate in the Congress and made a public statement uh, to, the, to the effect that they could not participate in the Congress as long as a significant number of their colleagues were in jail and as long as uh, censorship was so strong in Korea. When I, when I talk about censorship, I give you one example. It's a rather far-fetched one, but let me just give you an idea of how far they go. Uh, I don't say this is typical, but this is the kind of thing that does happen. This year, this year, which is already supposedly a year of reform, there was a, uh, an international book fair in Seoul and uh, uh, books were suddenly seized from this book, book fair. They were, they were withdrawn. The police came with a, with a shopping list, as it were, and took books away from the book fair. Which, u, they were not allowed to be displayed. Among them were, of course, some Marxist titles. Um, but also among them was, for instance, a book by Simone de Beauvoir. I mean, I don't know where they got their list, but uh, it, I mean, any fool or bigot obviously could add to it, and so the books were taken away. Censorship is very uneven. It's, it's not a totalitarian society. Uh, lots of things which are very critical are published. The censorship is uneven, arbitrary, willful, but nevertheless, 
punitive, harassing, intimidating, and cost people years of their lives and, and uh, injuries, severe injuries to their, to their bodies. And people have been tortured, of course, and that also is uh, well, well documented. Now, this is the background. Uh, I, I, would, I think I'll leave to the question period our description of what we did and the effect that it had. I will, I will jump to the end and say it had a fantastic impact. We aroused a hostility and a rage on the part of the Korean official representatives of the Korean government and of uh, Korean pen far beyond anything we could have imagined. I mean, they, they could have controlled the situation by ignoring us. Instead, they reacted very, very strongly and angrily with uh, outright uh, intimidation and threats and insults and on, on public platforms. And this came from very, very high quarters, including a, a minister of culture and education uh, who announced to the to the uh, uh, a meeting of the of the delegates of the whole of the whole uh, uh, pen pen group there uh, that that there, there was a center which was violating Korean law and would not go unpunished. I mean, it got as far as that. Uh, it was a fantastic success. I think that it was something that we did that was very positive for the Koreans. Uh, we did not behave as uh, grateful guests and keep our mouths shut, which is something that we were repeatedly told in public we ought to be doing. And I think what we, what we wanted to do, what we have done, and what I feel we want to continue doing this morning, is introduce uh, an element of truth into the um, um, celebration that is going on right now uh, of Korea uh, that, that is uh, being operated by the, by the Olympic, uh, uh, um, the Olympic spirit. The Olympic spirit, the, the getting, for Korea to get the Olympics is of course a fantastic public relations coup. And all that language about harmony, understanding, uh, 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 transcending all differences is a way of papering over the fact that this is a society uh, which has very important conflicts and problems and security problems, including security problems, or we're not saying that they don't have these problems or divisions. Uh, but the uh, Olympic spirit is one which is supposed to give quite another image of Korea, which is simply a progressive, uh, economically dynamic society moving uh, uh, in a straight line uh, in a positive direction. And we are here to say it's more complicated than, than that, and we'd like to get that message across. Uh, the society, the, the, the ruling class of this society, the people who run this country, are divided about how to proceed. There's a very strong impulse to, uh, to suppress and punish dissent. And I'm talking about intellectual dissent. I'm talking about dissent in written form, in spoken form. I'm not talking about any kind of armed action or, or even of demonstrations. We're talking about the printed word here. There are people who find it very difficult to tolerate the idea of a free press and of the free circulation of printed material and would like to have a very managed society, uh, which is, which is a, a society in which censorship and intimidation of writers and journalists would have a, uh, a powerful role. 
even uh, the, and I want to read, we, we've presented a rather long statement of, uh, for you, which has a lot of information and includes uh, our petition uh, to the president, yeah, that, that we sent. Uh, uh, speaking of particular cases, Lee Tai Bok, Kim Hyung Jung, and and uh, uh, in, in and and the long-term imprisonment of Kim Nam Ju and Kim Hyung Jung uh, as well. Of these names, which were, are probably unfamiliar to, to most of you, they were entirely unfamiliar to me until I started doing my homework before we went to Seoul. Uh, the, the, the most famous one by far is uh, Kim Nam Ju, who's a poet. And he is considered one of the best Korean writers. I mean, a, a writer of, of serious uh, importance in their literature and somebody that that has been or will be or should be translated into foreign languages. He's considered to be there, one of their two or three world-class writers. Uh, so he, he's very famous. The others are not so well known, which doesn't mean they, aren't, they don't equally deserve to be free. Uh, and some of them are, are journalists uh, um, rather than literary writers. But I just want to call your attention to the fact that one of them is actually a very famous and respected uh, senior Korean poet so there is this, was this petition to the, the president, uh, well, and you'll find that on the second page of, of the, of the uh, of press release. And there are sketches of the, uh, of, the, of the writers, and particular writers and journalists where we have detailed case histories. By the way, when, as we were having our reception, which was in a hotel, in downtown Korea on the third floor. It's that kind of room, you know, where people have wedding receptions. Uh, it was really quite, quite wonderful. Uh, we heard from one of the Korean writers that the publisher, correct me, Faith, and, and, and Karin, if I'm wrong, the publisher of Kim Namju had just then, that very day, been picked up by the police. Uh, and he was, in fact, held, well, I don't know. He was held till the evening. He was held five hours for interrogation. He was on the way to the party. Now, you could say, well, all right, big deal. They made a lot of progress. So somebody was picked up for five hours. Uh, but it's part of a pattern of intimidation. We're not going to you know, say this is the worst thing that ever happened in the history of, 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 of First Amendment rights. But it's part of a pattern of intimidation. They were perfectly well aware of what we were doing. I'm sure the, our, our reception was loaded with with uh, uh, people re reporting on it to the government. And I think that it was, it was a signal being sent to us uh, that they were not, in, go not only were they not going to uh, respond to our pressure, but they were going to make a little gesture to show how firm they were in, in their own position. Again, let me say that the reason we are talking about this here is because we feel that, first of all, everybody's interested in the Olympics, everybody's interested in, in, in Seoul and in Korea, everybody's following this. Uh, it's important to have another take on the situation, which represents another very important reality. Secondly, Korea is part of that, you know, large part of the world, let me be blunt, that, that includes most of the people in the world, 
that most people in this country don't care so much about. In other words, when uh, a friend of mine, uh, a, a Hungarian uh, uh, writer named Miklos Harashti in, in, in Budapest was picked up for five hours recently for interrogation. He's an important publisher of unofficial literature in, in, uh, in Hungary. And as you all know, the situation in Hungary has gotten uh, very, very uh, free compared to what it was in the past. When Miklos Harashti was picked up for interrogation five hours in a, in a brief and I think not very uh, not authorized at a very high level uh, attempt to react to some insolent thing he'd recently done, it got on the front pages of the New York Times. And uh, in fact, Mickey told me when I saw him recently, and of course he was let go and uh, and uh, he was he's allowed to travel. And as I say, the situation in Hungary is relatively good. I saw him a couple of months later at a literary congress. He was in Berlin, and he said, I was actually laughing to myself when they picked me up, and they took me to jail and shoved me against the wall. And I thought, you fools, don't you know this is going to be in the New York Times tomorrow? Uh, are you going to be, you're going to be fired. You know? uh, and so, I mean, th we have given a lot of people in Central and Eastern Europe, through you know, years of work, the feeling that they are being watched, that they're being helped, that they're being protected that we're on their case, and it's made a difference for them. It's made an enormous difference for them. I'm not saying we're responsible for glasnost, but still, I think the kind of attention that the American and Western European press has been give, giving um, uh, civil rights abuses and, well, you can go further, say atrocities in the Soviet empire has been a factor in convincing the leadership of the Soviet empire that this just, to put it very crudely, doesn't pay it gets bad publicity, it doesn't help anybody, it's not worth it. And I think, as I say, the amount of attention that's been paid to all these questions in, uh, in Russia and, and the countries uh, controlled by Russia, unfortunately, or fortunately they don't control them as well as they used to, has made a difference. And we, we're all on the case. When something happens in Prague or Warsaw or, or, or Budapest, we follow it. We put it in the paper, we care about it. Uh, on the whole, we haven't cared about what's happened in Korea or Turkey or some other places uh, where we have pretty good information. It's as if we don't expect them to behave uh, as well as we expect Europeans to behave, as we're holding them to some lower standard. I think it's a remaining kind of colonial, colonialist prejudice that we think, oh, well, you know, they're, they're making their way slowly, but uh, it's understandable. Uh, uh, we, we just don't pay the same kind of attention to it. So I, I would like to make, for us to be able to make a small contribution to paying more attention to where we have information and can pay attention, and that's in the case of Korea, where things are getting better, but still quite <coughs> bad. And I want, finally, before I finish this introductory statement and open it to your questions, to call attention to the particular our, um, um, focus in a, in a news sense that we have. Uh, this was, I suppose, uh, uh, an attempt to, to uh, resolve uh, the situation that we were creating, which, by the way, was what we were doing was on the front pages of the Korean, Korean papers and, <coughs> and all the Asian press. I went to Japan uh, after being in Seoul 
in early September, and it had been widely reported the American reception for the opposition writers and for the uh, people in jail was widely reported in the Japanese press. Uh, on September 1st, that is in the middle of the Congress, the uh, President Roe declared that after the Olympic Games, of course, we had received assurances from the Korean Penn Center that this would be done before the Olympic Games. This was part of their argument about why we should all be going to Seoul, that they knew that President Roe would release everybody as a gesture of leniency or amnesty or whatever you want to call it before the Congress started, which was on August 28th. It went from August 28th to September 3rd. In fact, this did not happen. Then during the Congress, Roe issued a statement and now said, after the Olympic Games, this is on the top of page four of our statement that I think you all have, he would, quote, show maximum leniency toward the prisoners of conscience. Uh, of course, that's, they always reserve that distinction. They say the prisoners of conscience as opposed to the political prisoners. Anytime they want to say a writer isn't in jail because of his writing, but because of his political activity, then of course they have the, the uh, warrant to keep the writer in jail. So we, uh, as it says in the statement, we acknowledge this gesture and look eagerly to its implementation. But uh, uh, for us, as far as we're concerned, in these cases that we have documentation on, there are more than these cases, but these are the ones I just want to stress that we are being very, very scrupulous. We're aware of that in the past, uh, this kind of work was done in a rather sloppy way, and we are super careful to get our facts and double and triple check them. In the cases where we have very authoritative documentation, which are the ones um, listed, the names listed, and we have even more detailed case sheets, uh, we feel that it's not a question of, of showing leniency, but of correcting an injustice. These people shouldn't be there at all. And they shouldn't be in jail at all. It's not that it would be nice to let them out as, as a gesture of mercy. They shouldn't have been put in jail in the first place. So this is what we want to do or hope to do by this press conference is to call uh, the public's attention to the fact that although there is progress in Korea, it's certainly a lot better than it was a couple of years ago. They have, after all, had their first elections, an enormous step uh, forward. Still a lot of the same people uh, 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 who supported the, old, the older system that did not uh, acknowledge even the need for elections are still running the country with the same uh, uh, ideas of total conformity or near total conformity. And uh, that these abuses are going on, that right now there are people in jail People who are in jail only for their writings. There is a very, very severe censorship and a great deal of intimidation of, of writers. And we are, of course, proud that we were able to do something to demonstrate that the rest of the world is not totally taken in by this uh, 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 Olympic joy. Uh, not that, again, we have anything against joy, but the there is life after the Olympics, and these people will still be in jail. And the, I believe that the Korean government should not be allowed to get away with a total whitewashing of their situation, uh, what they're doing in the eyes of the world by, by the rhetoric of harmony and reconciliation. 
we came to, uh, to, to Korea to make a little trouble. We were told that we were, we were told in effect, well, why, why we should be like the Bolshoi Ballet or the National Ballet of Canada. We're also there as guests of the government, uh, part of what they called the Cultural Olympics, the cultural events that preceded the Olympics. Well, we didn't consider a, a Congress of writers, which is, from our point of view, a Congress of individuals. Uh, we're not a dance company. We're, we're a bunch of quarrelsome individuals. We quarreled among ourselves uh, at the Congress. I, I want to add that just as we and our allies did not have the support of the majority of centers for uh, our protest against going to Seoul at all for the Congress, we did not have the support of the majority of delegations at the Congress about our reception. We were censured by the Congress as well. This was a, a minority activity. We were a big minority, but we were in the minority. The International Secretariat didn't like what we were doing, uh, and most of the other centers didn't like what we were doing. The most comical aspect of it all, uh, uh, of it all was that we were accused publicly and from the, the forum of the Congress, we were dressed down in very strong terms by, in, in a number of speeches as being American imperialists. We were behaving in, a, in an uh, overbearing American imperialistic way toward Korea and telling the Korean government what to do. I, I uh, 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 always thought that the Amer anti-Americanism was exaggerated when I hear people talking about anti-Americanism abroad. But for the first time in my life, I uh, began to think that perhaps there was some truth in it. Uh, because there was an extraordinary anti-American current, in fact, in the Congress among the other delegates. I'm not talking about the Koreans. I'm talking about the other delegations. Because we were th simply the most visible of the people conducting the activity. We were the ones who organized it. Karen Kennerly went two weeks in advance and worked uh, uh, in, a, in a fantastically effective way in a country that she'd never been to, to organize this, to make contacts with people. In fact, it had been prepared six months in advance uh, in lots of telephone calls and contacts with people that we, that we could meet and some of whom came to New York. But then she went two weeks before I and the two <coughs> official delegates, Faith Sale and, and the uh, poet Robert Haas came. We came just a day or two before the Congress. Karen came two weeks before. Uh, they knew what was going on, and they didn't like it. I'm talking about most of, the, uh, most of the other delegations. This doesn't mean most of the writers in those countries, but it does mean most of the official delegates. So we had a fight. Uh, it was a good fight. We, we felt good about it. We didn't feel like uh, American imperialists. We felt like uh, good Americans. Thank you. Yes, um, your name, please. I'm Michael McBride. I've been a had this dilemma before uh, American Chen, that is, of um, attending a conference in a country uh, where, you, where you have problems. No. Okay. Well, no, I, I shouldn't say we haven't had. We ha the, the Congress has been in countries where things were not so great. In fact, there was a Congress in Seoul years ago. But to answer your question, and literally, no, we haven't had the problem because we haven't been alert to it. I, I would say, in general, Penn has taken a big jump in the last 10 years, certainly American Penn. 
it's really quite a different organization from what it was 10 or 15 years ago. Uh, we're much more alert, we're much more, we're mature. We have the active participation of lots of, 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 of important and, and uh, uh, well-informed writers. And so we could have had this problem in the past, but we didn't have it because we were, it, it wasn't that kind of organization. It really only has become the, uh, I'm talking about American pen, the organization it is now in the last 10 or 15 years. It's really, uh, Penn has existed in this country since the 20s. I mean, we were founded, the American Penn Center was founded shortly after the inter international organization came into existence. But the pen that you, that you hear about now, that's relatively new. It used to be um, an organization that had a cocktail party once a month to celebrate the books that were published by its members uh, in a hotel in New York City. I mean, for years and years and years. And uh, it wasn't an active organization. It didn't have this kind of activity or this kind of consciousness. So I would say that we haven't had the problem before because we weren't that kind of organization that could m have that consciousness. Since we have had that sort of consciousness, no, we haven't had the problem. The previous uh, Congresses have been in places like Hamburg and Lyon in the south of France and Tokyo and uh, et cetera, et cetera. Our next two Congresses are going to be in a small city in Holland and then the year after that, Toronto. So it's not, an, again, an immediate problem. Uh, I would just like to mention that we were in Brazil in 1979, which was, <clears throat> a, uh, seems like it might have been a similar si situation to that in Seoul, except that um, in our six months of monitoring the situation in Brazil from January till July of 79 when the Congress was held, it was very, very clear that people were getting out of prison uh, every day practically that censorship, and this is an important ingredient, was lifted. And by the time we got there, there were two or three people in jail who were let out the first few days of the Congress. In other words, we knew it was truly going very, very fast toward uh, democratization and uh, therefore we were similarly worried in the months before, but we also were 90% sure that by the time the Congress was held there, it would be the situation that the Korean pen had promised us would be the situation in Seoul, and which in fact was not. Yeah, that's true. I, that's before the time I was active in hmm. Penn, and, and I didn't go to that Congress. But it, that, that would have been the model, except, uh, except it, it worked. They kept their promise, and the Koreans didn't keep their promise. In fact, uh, all along in the negotiations for putting the Congress in Seoul in, 19, in September 19, uh, late August, early September 1988, uh, the, the Koreans agreed, I believe in Hamburg, in, the con in a Congress a year and a half ago, to, and this was finally made a precondition of, of, of having the Congress there to submit to the International Secretariat a full and complete report on the, the writers and journalists in jail, and they simply never submitted it. And when Lugano, the following, the following Congress, uh, we, we, we asked for, where's your report? Well, it just wasn't there. And of course, we made a motion from the floor that since they hadn't complied with what they had agreed to do, which was a precondition of, the, of Seoul being accepted as the place for the Congress, well, we were overruled because they wanted to go to Korea. 
Well, uh, but first of all, a point of information, he wasn't going to speak at the Congress. He was going to host a reception at the Blue House, and that reception was The Blue canceled. House is their White House, yeah. Was canceled um, precisely 10 days. It was a Thursday before the following Sunday, it'll be about 10 days. Whether that is in direct response to our reception, of course we don't know. However. Uh, by the time the cancellation came in, there was already uh, pre-Congress news about our reception in all the Korean language papers. And we were told that we were the naughty ones who had caused the president to cancel his reception. We have no way of knowing what really ensued. The, on the very eve of the Congress, we were, we were called in uh, to, a, to a smaller meeting of, of, of the main centers um, uh, and told off in very violent terms by the international president. And the head of the French Center, which was the lead, as we were the, 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 the head of the, or the, lead, the most visible delegation of those opposing going to Korea and supporting the reception, the French Center was the most visible center of the majority who supported going to Korea and opposed us. And uh, so we were, we were called in an extraordinary session and told off and insulted and told that among other things, we had wrecked the Congress because the president, but actually you're right, because if I remember correctly, I mean, we were all there. Yes. We were told he we wasn't told going that. to come and address the Congress. And that he in fact, and he canceled his speech and reception. In fact, there was no plan for him ever to address the Congress. There just was a reception. It's not at all clear that that's the reason. I, I think there's at least one chance into it that we had nothing to do with, and they just thought, well, throw that in too as a, as a means of intimidation. But I want to stress that the person who did address the opening of the Congress was the Prime Minister. So we had both the Prime Minister and the Minister of Education on the and platform the at the, the Minister of Culture and Education, no, I'm sorry. Them, both of them. Oh, so we had Prime Minister, Minister of Culture and Minister of Education on the platform addressing the, addressing the opening uh, uh, assembly. I mean, it isn't as if, what we were told the night before is we'd wrecked the whole thing because as it were, we would have no official representation there. We had the Prime Minister of the country. The, so, so, that, so what I read, I read in the Los Angeles Yes, Canada, good. I, w I was going to mention that, That's exactly. I was expecting someone to ask how come there was a petition from the Congress itself if we were in such a minority on this issue. And as you see, the petition has some pretty strong language and does mention the names of the four primary prisoners whose cases we've been concerned with. 
what had happened, first of all, at the extraordinary session that Susan just mentioned, was that uh, the international leadership said, no resolutions. The, the general process at a Congress is that resolutions are heard and voted on and voted into the record of international pen. Uh, resolutions are submitted in advance. So of course, they had our resolutions specifically about these prisoners and a couple of other things. They said, let's have no resolutions about Korea, which uh, was never discussed and certainly never accepted by us as the proposers of these resolutions. But when the Congress itself, the delegation, the uh, Assembly of Delegates actually opened, the president rammed through a vote without any discussion of what would be voted on, what, what any of it meant, on the understanding that a petition was a much more polite, much more supplicating way of asking, soft, but soft, like. yes, soft, gentle, friendly, rather, yes, <laughs> yes, no loss of face, et cetera, et cetera. And, and even the uh, Korean delegation, I think somewhat reluctantly, supported the notion of a petition for the express purpose of defeating any form of resolution. What happened, however, is that a couple of people who had not been outspoken on our behalf earlier were put on the committee to do the petition, namely the English-speaking Canadian Penn Center, and they did manage to get this language in. Having agreed to a petition, the delegation uh, the delegates of the assembly sort of felt they were obliged to vote it in, and therefore we have this petition, which was to have been presented to President No by the International President of Penn, the International Secretary, and the chair of the Writers in Prison Committee, which I would like to mention is an extraordinarily scrupulous international group that does full-time uh, the kind of work that our Freedom to Write Committee does, and everything that we do goes through them and vice versa. At any rate, they've ended up with this petition that they wanted to take to the President, and we're phoning and phoning, and then we're told the president would not receive anyone with less than five days' notice, and that the Minister of Culture and Information would attend the Congress and it could be given to him, at which point it was suggested that that would have to be done behind the scenes, no public gestures. So we have sent the petition, as you know, to our ambassador. The Canadians have, I think several of the other centers have done that, and what has happened is that by having this soft petition instead of a strong resolution, it has become a matter of public record. And that's part of what we want to do here is, is to uh, give wider circulation to that. Yes. This was very funny because the, uh, the volume of, of anti-American uh, diatribe rose very high, steadily, throughout the, throughout the Congress. And one of our staunchest and, and uh, most intelligent allies, namely the Danish center, only an American initiative. It's true it was our initiative. Uh, but we had the strongest possible support from a number of other centers. Um, it was Karin, uh, literally Karin, who organized it, going but you know working from this office for months in advance and then going two weeks ahead to Seoul. 
but we, we had uh, full and complete support from the Danish center, the Swedish center, the West German center. I think those were actually, in personal terms, the most uh, active people. They were there and they were with us and they had been with us in supporting uh, uh, and part of our initiative not to go to Seoul at all uh, and, or, and, and to demand this report from the Koreans at the previous Congresses. Um, I'm leaving out some of the Dutch. other senders. The no. Dutch, sorry, Karen. Yeah, English-speaking Canada. And the, and the uh, Los Angeles Center. Yes. Which is now, uh, has, goes by the name of Pan USA West. Yeah. So, there, as I said, we, it was we who organized it, but it was interesting. It was part of their attempt, which I believe backfired to isolate us uh, by speaking of it as only an American initiative. And then there was some incredible language that was being used in the Congress, and not only by the Koreans. I mean, in my personal feeling was I was much more offended by the other centers the, uh, uh, who attacked us than by the Koreans themselves. I sort of thought, well, the Koreans are, they are mostly government hacks, and they're just doing what they're supposed to do, and you know, they're gonna get in real trouble and lose their various jobs if they don't say all these things. I didn't expect anything from them, and I wasn't disappointed. Uh, but what really bothered me were the attacks by many of the other centers, that we were being American bullies, that we were telling the Koreans what to do, uh, there was an extraordinary statement by one of the um, international vice presidents, a uh, blowhard named Pedrag Mat Matyevich, <laughs> that he, uh, he did this from the floor, uh, you know, uh, from, the, from the podium, you know, in front of this vast hall full of people, and he told us, uh, he said, this is not uh, London, this is not New York, this is not Paris, this is not Munich. This is not even Belgrade. <laughs> this is Seoul. <laughs> and, and the implication being, we can't have these same high standards for, you know, civility, freedom of writers, of freedom of culture, and so on. We're in Asia. You know, Asians—they don't have any sense about individuality. They're just a collective conformist culture. I mean, that was the implication, the clear implication. We did not understand the Asian spirit and we weren't being polite. We were also told in this, uh, repeatedly, starting from this extraordinary private session on the, on the eve of the conference, that we were worsening the situation of the prisoners, that we were virtually told that their sentences would be lengthened, uh, you know, more blows would rain upon their heads and shoulders as the result of our action because the Koreans are a proud people, we were told over and over again. They do not like being told what to do. If they are told what to do, they will do the opposite. Well, we kept saying, we're not telling them what to do. We are reminding them of the principles of Penn. They can do what they want, but this is, we can't be here in good conscience unless we stand up for what we think Penn is about and what is we feel is our mandate and our ethical responsibility. We couldn't belong in conscience to this international organization if we don't do this. We're not telling them what to do. We're telling them what they should. We are standing up for what we think. But we were, as I say, painted as bullies, as if we had any power. We had the power to make a fuss, and they, I think, by quite extraordinary amount of but I don't want to say overreaction, because who am I to say how important this was, but a very violent reaction gave us a great deal more publicity 
than, than we had dreamed, in our wildest dreams, we had, we had thought we might get. I, w I want to uh, underscore what Faith has just said, that there was, it, 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 because this is another example of it, normally the assembly passes resolutions, and they normally are about all the obvious countries you can think of. Uh, Turkey, Chile, uh, uh, South Africa, uh, South Korea, et cetera, et cetera. There is, there is the, the usual list uh, of, of countries which have Pence centers, which are, continue to be egregious violators of the principles of, of, of freedom of writers and freedom from censorship. Resolutions about Korea have been passed as long as anyone can remember. It's almost a kind of ritual thing. Another resolution about Korea mentioning another bunch of writers who are still in jail. This is the first Congress that um, such a resolution was not passed. And all the others were passed, the ones about Chile and South Africa and Turkey. They were all passed, but only uh, 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 the one about Korea wasn't passed. Instead, this petition was substituted, which was their, I think, very inept attempt to outflank us and get something that they kept describing as soft and polite and Asian and would not make the president lose face. We were accused of not understanding. They don't know how many Asians we have in this country. We do understand the principles of face. Uh, we were accused of, of not understanding that. The result was, again, as, as Faith described, that the, had simply a routine resolution been passed, but they couldn't stand it, then th this kind of publicity would not, would not have happened. Uh, our, the former, I believe it was the former head of the uh, International Writers in Prison Committee, uh, Michael Scammell, said in a speech supporting us, because we did have the support, of course, of, the, of Michael Scammell, of the former chair of the International Writers in Prison Committee and of the present chair, the man that Faith was just talking about, who's a Swede named, uh, a marvelous fellow named Thomas von Wegesack. I think it was Michael Scammell who said, oh, now I see, if a country wants to have uh, the resolution uh, protesting censorship and imprisonment of writers uh, removed from the, uh, the, the uh, agenda of the assembly, all they have to do is have a, get, get a Congress uh, and then it won't take place. I mean, of course, that was the idea, but in fact, that too backfired because instead we have, had there been a resolu uh, resolution as normally happens, we wouldn't be sending it to the American ambassador. Uh, even President Rose's refusal to receive it you see, becomes a news item. So we, we, uh, we feel good about the way it went, and we had the inadvertent cooperation of, the, of Korean Penn and uh, the International Directorate in our efforts to get more public attention for these abuses. You, you had, or were there other questions before? Could you speak up a little bit? We read it every day. <laughs> uh, I think there's an American. Oh, in America. Oh, I'm sorry. Excuse me. I thought you meant in Korea. Yeah. Well, you mean what American pen did is is is, is interference. Um, 
If Korea wants to be a country on the internet, uh, to play an international role, to receive foreign tourists, uh, uh, to, to, be, to be part of the world community of nations, which clearly it does, and clearly it deserves to do, uh, then it will be judged by international standards. International standards that are represented by the Charter of Penn and by the Charter of the United Nations. We totally deny that, w that we represent an American interference or an American intervention. We are Americans, but the principles that we are upholding are the principles of the International Charter of Penn and of the United Nations. So uh, if Korea cannot have it both ways, they cannot become a country with an important international role and not be judged by international standards. So I don't consider that interference. I do consider it uh, criticism, friendly criticism, because we do have hope for the uh, uh, direction that Korea seems, in, in which Korea seems to be evolving. We want to associate ourselves with those many people, and I think they may well be in the majority, in Korea, who want the process of democratization to go further. Could I add to that a moment, too? I think it's important to emphasize that both in the many months before we went to Seoul and in my preparatory weeks there, uh, we were working very, very closely with Koreans, um, with uh, Korean human rights experts, with Korean writers who represent a fairly full spectrum of, let's say, moderate conservative to very liberal. Um, we were working with at least as many Koreans and also many prominent Korean writers as were represented in the pen. Um, we were also uh, working with the uh, Human Rights Subcommittee of the Association of Writers for National Literature. And as you know and your readership certainly knows, these people are among the most critical in Korea of American influence and interference. And they're the ones who wanted us to do what we were doing. So it, it wasn't as if uh, um, uh, when, when we were told, when I was told at the Congress, I don't understand the Orient, I said, help, which Koreans are more Asian? You know, yours or ours? <laughs> yeah, I, w I want to underscore what Karen has just said, that since she was much more active in doing it, I mean, uh, I shouldn't say more active, she did do it, it was she who organized it and, and orchestrated it. Uh, she's adding a very important point uh, because it's, uh, which, which I have uh, passed over, not because I wasn't aware of it, but because it's not the part that, uh, the part that I was active in. Uh, 
first of all, I should also add, just as a, just in parentheses, that uh, Karen is uh, began uh, life as as a student of of Japanese language and literature. Japan, as of course, not Korea. <laughs> We're not under that any any illusions of that kind. But I mean, we, we when Karen went went to Korea, she w she was going to Korea for the first time, but she wasn't going to Asia for the first time. She speaks Japanese. She's lived for a long time in in Japan. And she certainly knows that, that uh, there is a difference between the various Asian cultures and the various Western cultures. We uh, had, were very careful to try to understand what the Koreans wanted. Uh, I, I think that's an all-important point that, that Karen has just made. I've been stressing what I know went on here uh, because I was part of that. And I only arrived when she had already set the thing up in in, in Seoul, but if at any point the Koreans that we were in touch with, and they were a large group of people, they were more writers than are represented in Korean pen, had said to us, this is a bad idea, this is not something good, this is not going to help us, we've changed our mind, the situation is evolving in such a way that uh, we think, you know, this might not, not do the good we were hoping, we would have called it off instantly. In, in no way uh, d did we just want to go in and show how virtuous we were? Uh, if it was going to not be in their interests, uh, in, the, in the interests that, that, that they represented, that is to say, I believe, certainly a majority of the writers and possibly a majority of the Korean people. We did it in response to what we had heard already in Hamburg and Lugano. Uh, I was even approached in Lugano by one of the members of the Korean delegation who said, of course, I can't say this in public, but I want to tell you I'm very glad that you're taking the stand you are. So at all points, we, we were looking, first of all, for Korean advice to set this thing up, and for Korean assurance that it was not an, an awkward or in any way destructive or counter, well, say counterproductive thing to do there. And we would have, at the, uh, we, the night before, the afternoon, we would have called it off if somebody had said, look, uh, so-and-so is going to get out of jail tomorrow if we have this uh, um, meeting, maybe, you know, they'll change their mind. We would have called it off, absolutely. I think the chance very much depends on the amount of publicity, uh, 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 the amount of attention that is paid to, uh, to the situation there. I think if they feel that they're, they're so far ahead in positive or favorable image making as a result of the Olympics, that all people are interested in is the fact that Korea is such a huge economic success and has brought the Olympics off, which everybody is enjoying without any incident, uh, and uh, the, the sort of uh, avalanche of good feelings that, that you do that you do feel now. I mean, it is. It does, seems to me I'm a very remote uh, uh, observer of these things. I don't even have a television set, but I, you know, I peaked, and it does seem to be a sort of terrific success. People do feel good about it. It's very exciting, and it is the first Olympics that has had the participation of most countries since I believe. Uh, Gosh, ni 
76, 76, right, because the Africans didn't participate in 80, uh, the Americans didn't participate in, 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 uh, in 84, exactly. No, the Russians didn't participate in 84, and, and the Americans didn't participate in 80, and I believe the Africans didn't participate in, in 76, so it may be 72. Uh, which I believe was the, the, you know, the terrible Munich Olympics, uh, where, where it's the last one where everybody participated. So it looks good. It looks good for them. Uh, and if they feel they, and that's why they wanted it, that that's enough, I think they could try to hold the status quo. I think, you know, we, we did ask people, what do you think is going to happen after the Olympics? And, and uh, the writers that we were in contact with, Pike, for example, mm -hmm. and, and they said, 50-50, you know? It could, get, it could continue to get better. And the Olympics could be an important step toward reassuring the, 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 the Koreans that, you know, they're, they're in the big league now and it's part of being in the big league is becoming a pluralistic society and, and, and having the basic uh, democratic uh, institutions. And, and that it's okay and that it doesn't hurt and that it's better it works better, it's even economically better for them, um, because generally uh, this kind of economic success, with uh, a few notable exceptions, one of them being Singapore, does bring political liberalization. I mean, that's, we, that's, that seems to be uh, 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 the way it works in the last decades. So it could go, continue to go forward for them. Or they could say, no, wait a minute. We don't, we don't need this. We don't want it. We've got scores to settle among ourselves. The whole situation with North Korea is very complex. Uh, uh, let, let, let's, no, now the foreigners have gone away. And let's, let's, let's roll it back. It could look as if all of the last year's evolution was in preparation for the Olympics. The, far, the, you know, the party's over. Let's roll it back or it could go forward. The people we talked to, and I asked this question of everybody I met, including you know, social scientists at the university and so on, all of whom, by the way, supported our action. You might say that's because I'm, they, I met them, <laughs> but the, um, you know, or I was introduced to them, but I mean, they do represent, after all, a certain you know, group of people, and you do feel that there, you know, there are a lot, there's a lot of support out there in the educated and professional middle class for, for, for our action. They all said, we don't know. None of them said, no, it's terrible here, it's just going down the drain, this is just a facade. They didn't say that. They said there is progress, but it's fragile. It could go either way. And the other thing they said was, Roe is not the person who will make the decision. He will respond to a kind of consensus among a, a group of people who are running the country. Uh, and that includes the military, of course, and it includes the business elite. Uh, he will implement the, 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 a, a consensus that is reached by people. He's not a dictator in the old sense that he's just going to, going to decide and, and try to make it work. He's not Pinochet. I mean, he's not, uh, he's not that kind of figure. He's a, he's a uh, chairman of the board type. And uh, so they say, you, you can't... You can't uh, figure it out by looking at Roe and his record, because he, he could go either way. It depends on some kind of consensus and infighting that we, of course, can't know anything about. But they feel it could go either way. It could work out very well, and, and, uh, and it could get a lot worse. Yes. 
Well, it was, it was the uh, Writers in Prison chairman, Thomas von Begersek, the Swede we've mentioned before, who did get to see two prisoners, that's true, yes. Let, let, me, let me just to start, just to respond to Richard's question. We were promised, or Karen was promised, that at least I, representing the Americans, uh, American delegation, along with some other people, would be able to visit prisoners. And this was to be a first, some of the prisoners on our list. This was to take place on Sunday, the day after I arrived, and I timed my arrival so that, so that the Congress opened on Monday, and it was on Sunday that this was to take place. It was changed. The I, prison I visit was, had already taken place before my arrival, and it, it took place about a week earlier, but somebody very important uh, was on it, was the person that, that Karen mentioned, Thomas von Wegesack, who is the head of the International Writers and Prisons Committee, which is the international version of our um, Freedom to Write Committee that Faith is co-chair of. I, have to, uh, I, I wasn't promised. It was, it was an effort, but I, I was never given a firm promise. I was working through our embassy, um, which didn't, okay, yeah. didn't not achieve a, not a promise, it. I mean, I don't know what plan. to say. I, I'm, I, I, of course, I'm, I don't really know what efforts were made. I know that some efforts were made, um, but um, uh, each of us were working. I mean, the West Germans were working through their embassy. We were working through ours. And, and this international effort had been made. What, what's interesting is that this was the first time that a human rights group was allowed to visit prisoners, or so we were told, but in fact, of the four requested visits, only two were permitted, two were specifically denied. And of the four, they were done under very, uh, of the two that were allowed, they were done under very carefully controlled conditions. The prisoners were to be seen only in a waiting room, not in their cells. Only four people were allowed to go in, which made a problem for interpretation and so on. And the visits were limited to 20 minutes and could not include certain types of questions, obviously, of any sort of political nature. So it was a breakthrough, but a limited one. Well, one of them is, is in severe need of medical treatment, which has not been provided for him, and, and his condition, which is blood in his urine, is a direct result of torture that he underwent when he was arrested. Who is that? That's uh, Lee Taibak a publisher, incidentally, whose parents and brother and editor attended our party. He, he wasn't one of the ones visited. He was the one no. Refused. Yes, I think we should make that clear. The E. Tai Bok, uh, no, the we were. he was visited. I think it was uh, Kim Hyung Jong. Was yes, visited. those were the two. And Yi Sung Ho. No, they didn't get to Any other questions?
I think that's difficult for me at any rate to pronounce on because I don't read the Korean press. There certainly is censorship and there certainly is more freedom than there was. You can, there is a difference among papers, for instance. I could see this even just, just reading the English language press that's published in, in Korea. The difference, say, between the Korea Times and the Korea Herald, one of which is a, is a government-owned paper and one of which isn't. I mean, there's a big difference. And that's, of course, just, just the uh, English language press, which obviously would be a lot freer uh, than, than, the, than the, the press that's read by, by most people. Our information is that there's, it, it, again, it, the situation is mixed. There is much more freedom and there is a considerable amount of intimidation. But there, the, the official censorship is gone. Uh, however, you know, let's say the official censorship is gone. Let me remind you that this is still a country in which it is a crime punishable by a prison sentence to listen to North Korean radio. Now, it's a very small country, uh, well, small by American standards. Uh, uh, it's, I think, about the size of Utah, I was told. Uh, it's a divided country. Seoul itself is only about 35 miles below the 38th parallel. In fact, one, on, on one day, I played hooky from the Congress and went in a bus to Panmunjom to the 38th parallel and saw the United Nations uh, encampment there, stood on the line in that famous barracks, you know, where they, where they uh, that room where they have the conferences. It's only 35 miles south of, of the 38th parallel. Obviously, any radio set will pick up North Korean radio. Imagine, this is a country which now declares it. I don't mean that, that it's being enforced, I don't mean that policemen are going around and knocking on doors and seeing if people are listening to the, to, to tuning to the station. That, but it is still on the books. So th th their definition of what is political and what is you know, permissible because it is part of freedom of speech is still a, 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 a very harsh one. And, it, and there are enough laws on the books now to make it um, possible for them to arrest or detain, or uh, when it comes to written material, censor anybody they want on the grounds that this is creating disorder. That's right. Also, something that I know has been mentioned in the American press, but I'm not sure most people have taken it in. Uh, Seoul has, is virtually under martial law during this whole Olympic yeah. period, and they use the wonderfully Orwellian term Seoul has been, uh, Seoul is, uh, has been, uh, I think 90% of the city area no, the has been declared, oh, well, is, is it the country? Uh, no, I'm not sure, that I'm sure it's, not yeah. sure it's the country. Uh, but anyway, they, the term used is peace zones. Most of Seoul is, uh, 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 is, is under the rubric of a peace zone. It's, it's straight out of 1984. A peace zone is a place in which no public assembly outdoors is allowed. In other words, all demonstrations have been declared illegal. Of course, they're being tolerated if they stay within the confines of the universities uh, right now or were a couple of days ago because the, the, the Korean government certainly wants to avoid an incident. They want to avoid 
at all costs, something like what happened in Mexico in 1968, when you may remember 300 students were killed, uh, some say more, but the official figure is 300 students were killed in a demonstration that just preceded the Olympics. Um, uh, I mean, students will demonstrate if the world press is coming to one of these <laughs> countries, of course, and the Mexican students had a huge demonstration in a big square outside the university, and the police came in with machine guns. The poet uh, Octavio Paz resigned as ambassador, to Mexican ambassador to India because of the government massacre of 300 students just on the eve of the Olympics. I mean, it was the most extraordinary event. The Koreans certainly don't want to repeat that. So the student demonstrations are being allowed as long as they don't spill outside. The rest of the city, and Karen thinks the country, I'm not sure, but it doesn't matter, the principle is the same, has been declared a peace zone. That's to say it's under martial law. Anybody can be, three people, start a demonstration that can be arrested. I just, I would, I would like to add to it that Seoul, a city variously uh, estimated at 8 million to 10 million souls, uh, in any case, a good 80% of the population of the country, is absolutely peppered with universities. Everywhere you look, there is a university. You look on the map, it's this university, that university, and it is a nation where there is something close to 100% literacy, which accounts in part for the fact that it has so many at least self-proclaimed poets and journalists and so on. I did want to mention that there is a flourishing, within the last year, progressive Korean language newspaper, which has attracted lots of the uh, formerly blackballed journalists and those who, for various reasons, were not able to work in the Korean language press. It has, as an editorial writer, one of the leading political science teachers at a major university, and as a sort of managing editor, a, uh, not a managing editor, but an, another form of editor, a book publisher of some note. People have, have flocked to this, and it seems to be allowed to flourish. The source of its funding has not been revealed, and all we do know is that the publisher was recently in Washington. <laughs> Han Kyo Rae. Oh, Han Kyo Rae Shinmon. to our reception. Yeah, well again, when I say the government, I, I want to avoid this thing that people always do, which is speaking as if, you know, there's some sort of corporate person called the government. I mean the, the people who came to the Congress, uh, but these included the Minister of, of, of Culture, uh, 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 the Minister of Education and Information, these uh, people in Korean pen who were obviously government officials. I mean, this is not an organization in its present form which is mainly independent writers. No, I'm, this is mainly uh, people who have various government positions. They, they, the violent reaction was saying, well, the minister said from the platform <laughs> that we were in violation. There is a center among us which is in violation of Korean law. We were, we were accused of, of promoting a subversive activity. I mean, these were threats, of course. They were, they were empty threats in a certain sense. They were expressions, passionate um, expressions of, of uh, displeasure. Some of it was almost comical. Uh, one of the um, uh, uh, Korean officials in a, in a public speech said, I mean, it was so clear that it was directed at us, and sometimes these sentences would come up that 
where our reception wouldn't even be mentioned, but suddenly there would be this Amer anti-American remark, and we knew what it, what it was about. One of the uh, Korean speeches, uh, I think it was this minister, said, uh, in the I'm sorry, it was the closing ceremonies of the Congress, Faith is reminding me, said, uh, Korea is, uh, when Americans were still killing Indians, uh, Korea was a country that was producing great poets. So, I mean, wh what was that about? I mean, it, we were also an occasion for a certain amount of rather violent anti-American crankiness. Uh, um, I, this, this was an unfortunate confluence of something, I mean, that's something that's already there, and then this, it, it's, it's a cheap shot, how can I say? Anti-Americanism is a certain kind of cheap shot. Uh, that's why it was so convenient to suppress the names of the other centers, like the West Germans and the Danes and the Dutch and the Swedes, et cetera, who were associated with us. Because if we could be seen simply as this, these, uh, these bullies, you know, coming and telling them what to do, which is, I mean, a total distortion. I want to repeat once again the all-important point made by Karen is that this was conceived, uh, uh, planned uh, in a completely consultative way with a spectrum of Korean writers, journalists, political scientists, human rights activists that we contacted in Washington, uh, in New York, uh, in Western Europe, and, 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 and there, and there, of course. No, no, I'm talking about in advance and by telephone in Seoul. And then once Karin was on the spot uh, in Seoul the, from the middle of August on, the whole thing, it couldn't have been done without them and it wouldn't have been done without them. That's the point. They had to keep telling us and we kept checking with them again and again that this was something that they thought was useful. And we were very careful to not to, since, since op obviously the opposition is divided, as we all know, the reason President Roe is even there is because there were two opposition candidates who, in fact, it, together had a majority of the vote. Uh, so we're aware of the fact that, th that there is a broad opposition, many different factions, and we didn't want to seem to be supporting just one. Uh, we had opportunities, actually, to have co-sponsorship, which we turned down uh, uh, because we wanted to represent as many people as possible. Most important, we simply wanted to represent the fact that there was, uh, there were writers in jail. We were honoring these writers. By the way, the, the, the writers who are in jail, all of them, the writers and journalists and publishers, have been adopted as prisoners of conscience and honorary members of different Penn centers. Uh, th these people are, are known to international pen because their cases have been on our books for a long time. It isn't just the American center that is concerned with these cases. Many centers have adopted these writers as honorary members. It's, a, it's a, one of our public relations techniques to get attention to writers in prison. We've done it with writers in prison in the Soviet Union and, and, and uh, many other countries. And we still have a lot of people on our books. What was extraordinary is to find that even some of the centers who had adopted some of these writers as their honorary members were still not supporting us in our reception in their honor because they were so eager to be uh, good guests.
Well, I couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> if anybody had said that, I would have, you know, stood up and saluted. I, I believe that that description is correct. And therefore, the people who, <laughs> the, pe the, the people whom, from whom one might have expected some anti-American sentiment uh, would have been the people we were associated with. But the point is, we don't feel we represent the, Amer um, the United States of America. I mean, we are the Penn Center in America. We only represent, we don't represent the United States. Um, that's the whole point. Their Penn Center represents their government. We don't represent our government. I'm, I'm sure a large number of our members uh, are opposed to this pattern of American foreign policy. I certainly am. Uh, all, all we represent is American writers uh, and the internationalization of First Amendment rights as guaranteed by or as, as, as supported by um, uh, the International Pen Charter and the United Nations. So, of course, I believe, as a critic of American foreign policy, that uh, the Americans could be decisive in this matter if the American government would let the Koreans know that um, would put pressure on the Koreans to speed up the, the democratization process. That's to put the most favorable interpretation on it. It would be of incalculable influence, as we know. But I mean, are they going to do it? We went to our ambassador. Sure. I mean, I mean, are they going to do it? They're not. I don't see them doing it anywhere else. I mean, I think, you know, I mean, are they doing it in Guatemala? Are they doing it? Uh, Etc. 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 They, uh, the Americans do it. The American government does it when it thinks it's in its interest, and I don't think at this moment it thinks it's in its interest. Uh, uh, you know, things are coming up roses in Korea. It's fantastic economic success, and American bases are there. Uh, I think individual <coughs> ambassadors and lower-level people in the State Department and so on, of course, can perhaps can be enlisted to become more aware of this problem. Is Japan in touch with the State Department about these matters? We have individual contacts, of course, and we sometimes even get information and help from people. And we've had contacts, I mean, we, we're, we're glad to get help from anybody. We've had contacts with various representatives and uh, members of Congress and senators. On certain uh, uh, cases, for instance, uh, Senator Kennedy and his office have been very helpful to us, uh, Edward Kennedy of Massachusetts, and uh, uh, and other senators, uh, Barney Frank, uh, 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 Steve Solars, etc., have been helpful. And of course, one of our long-term, uh, you know, uh, lobbying issues is to get rid of the ideological exclusion clause of the McCarran-Walters Act, which has made it impossible for writers to come. I mean, Garcia Marquez to this day won't come to the United States because the only way he can come, he used to be completely banned, now he can come on a special visa, you know, like President Rowe's leniency. He w he's allowed to come for a specific time and specific purpose. And he quite rightly says he won't come unless he can have an ordinary tourist visa like any other foreigner. Uh, so we, we try to make contact to get information and help whenever we can. And uh, the, the mistake, of course, is thinking that we represent the, you know, the government or that we're, you know, Amer Americans luckily are, a, you know, we're, we're a complicated bunch of people and uh, 
we represent one aspect of American Was there an civic conscience. There that you represented official US no. no, oh no, not at all. Just that no, that. no, they know better than that. But we, but there, there is, uh, there is anti-American feeling in the world. I mean, I'm, I, you know, I'm, it's like I'm discovering that the sun rises in the east and sets in the west, and uh, it can, it's a kind of cheap, cheap shot that can be used by any group in any circumstance. That's what rather surprised me, because uh, what I'm more accustomed to is the kind of anti-American attitude that comes out of the political criticism that you're just mentioning. I didn't realize that it could come from the most official sources, but as I say, it doesn't really mean anything. It's just a kind of nastiness that's available to people and that they can call up in any circumstances. And I want to stress the fact that it was not just the Koreans, or not even mainly the Koreans, who said this. It was other Penn centers, notably the French Center, for instance. I, I think um, I, this is perhaps just my opinion, but I think one of the ironies of the use of anti-American uh, sentiment in the Congress is that it was used uh, very strongly by those group of Korean writers who probably are the least anti-American <laughs> in yes, their well, normal this lives. They're anti-us, they but anti in fact, I think they knew what they were doing when they played up the anti-American sentiment. It was clearly an attempt to get the public, since everything landed in the papers, on their side. So there was a bit of irony there. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Thank you very much. Thank you. I got informal support from the Japanese, some of the Japanese delegates, who That's told me that they didn't dare say anything publicly. Oh, I'm sorry, Eastern. Oh, uh, Yugoslavs. Yugoslavs, very strongly. And of course, the GDR, but they weren't there. But they, they had decided to boycott. Uh, yes. Oh, and the Poles. Uh, the Poles, of course, the Poles. Naturally. How did she sound? Oh yeah, well you know Nicole. She's always <laughs> capable of putting a good interpretation on something. Well, I think, I think okay. it's the one. Oh, did she call? Did she if you can. When, when you're finished, just follow. Is this mine or yours? Oh, this is yours. Thank you.